Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are back in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast studio getting ready to record episode number 142. Excited to have the band back together this week. We're going to talk about a phenomenon that was really front and center today, and that's poor communication between outfielders and infielders. We'll tell the story here in a second. Before we do that, let's uh, talk about our sponsors. First, the Anderson Bat Company. Everything Fast Pitch is very proud to have Anderson Bat Company as our presenting sponsor. Anderson Bat Company is using the latest and greatest bat technology to corner the market in the fast pitch world. They have the minus 9 rocket tech, the minus 10 carbon, and the minus 11 carbon light. Anderson Bat Company is using this technology to put a high-performing bat in the hands of hitters that really know the difference between a good bat and a great bat. We're also working with Anderson to provide a discount for all of our listeners. Go to the Anderson Bat Company website and order your bats. Use the EFP20 discount, which is for everything fast pitch, and you'll get a 20% discount. It's a great way for you to save a little bit of money on a great bat and also help support everything fast pitch at the same time. Also, let's talk about patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. If you are in a position to become a patron, we would love for you to come on board. Coach Don and I are very excited to have the patrons that we have. Always uh, appreciative and uh, really great that we have the support that we do have. We would love for more of you to come on board. So if you see value in what we're doing, if you think that everything fast pitch and coach prep is worthwhile, go to the website, patreon.com slash everything fast pitch. It'll take you through the steps. There's three different levels of monthly support, and everything that we get goes right back into making this podcast better. Um, you know, we talk about this all the time. Coach Don and I are not making a penny off of this podcast. We are not paying ourselves. We're not getting a paycheck. Everything that comes in is going back out in support of the technology, the uh, services that we need, um, you know, the t-shirts that we send out, all that kind of stuff. What comes in goes out. I wish I could tell you that more is not going out than is coming in, but because of the patrons, it's manageable. We can, we can keep it going for a little while, but we would love to get some more patrons on board. Absolutely. So Don, we've spent a lot of time talking about fly ball communication, priorities, who's got control and who doesn't. And so today, um, watching two of the best teams in college softball play, saw the total nightmare situation happen, and it unfortunately for, for Virginia Tech happened in a couple of different places during the game today. Now, Virginia Tech's great team, great coaches. You know, uh, Coach DeMore was on my list of rising coaches that I think you know, the, there's so many great coaches in the game right now, and he's certainly one of them. But for whatever reason today, uh, while they were playing the uh, if you win, you go to the World Series, if you lose, you go home game, their communication broke down. First inning, they had a pop-up out there in no man's land behind third base. The shortstop was going out. The left fielder was coming in. I don't know if it was because of the pressure of the situation or the size of the crowd or whatever it was, but a play that I'd be willing to bet that those two players have made 100 times this year without any incident right. turned into a train wreck that cost them a run and just kind of got the whole game Momentum. off. Yeah. on a really bad footing, and then unfortunately for Virginia Tech, it ended up being one of those days where the game just completely got away from them. All of a sudden, you know, went from being you know, one of the best teams in the country and a team that we all expected was going to make it to the College World Series to you know, the heartbreak of their season ending early and, and having to go home uh, in a situation other than what they would have expected. And so why I wanted us to touch on it while we can is that it's something that obviously if it's happening at that level, with those kinds of players, with those kinds of coaches, with the amount of time they spend working on their game, how often is it happening in your typical school ball game, in your typical travel ball game, your rec league game, 
And to me, the thing that was really unfortunate uh, in, in the game today is the collision was substantial enough that the shortstop had to come out of the game. Yeah, that, that even adds, you know, a worse uh, dynamic to it, Tori. And communication on easy out that fails is game-changing at right. that level, you know, because we're talking about, you know, the, the mistake pitch that gets hit out of the park or, you know, the, the pass ball that advances runners into scoring position. Those little things hurt a lot, and um, but they're avoidable with with the right, you right. Know, setup. And you know, like you said, those teams obviously do a great job, and they're prepared as they can be to get to that level. But the environment, the pressure, the excitement, the adrenaline—all those things are are things that have to be managed. Right. Yeah. Which, which brings us back to the point of today's coach prep, which is that's why we have to keep working hard on these things. And I think one of the things that happens is. As we've talked hundreds of times already, when we're putting together our practice plans, when we're thinking about what our checklist is, when we're thinking about uh, the things that we really need to keep working on, one of the things that probably doesn't happen all that often is that perfect storm, terrible little, you know, right in the exact spot that could really create this kind of traffic jam kind of thing. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, it seems like it's always at the worst time, uh, always at, at, at the most... Uh, a damaging time for it to happen. And when we think about errors, not all errors are created equal. Not all mistakes that we can make on defense are created equal. We just have to say that up front. Hard hit ground ball has a lot more variables and a lot more reasons to expect something to go wrong than a pop-up does. If somebody hits a hard ground ball at the shortstop, it could hit a rock, it could hit a seam, you know, it could do all kinds of crazy things. It could take a bad hop that ends up making it an error that really are outside the player's control sometimes. And even if she does field it cleanly, well, then guess what? She's got to pick it up and throw it across the field to a first baseman. To, who's, beat, her, to beat a runner. Right, to beat a runner who's got to catch the ball and keep a foot on the base and all that stuff. So that ground ball, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. We practice those forever, over and over and over, thousands of times, because we know there's a lot of variables. When a ball's popped up, when a ball's hit in the air, unless it's one of those like missiles that is going in a gap, very rarely we assume it, that it's we assume, gonna, yeah assume that's a good yeah. word yeah we we expect that it's going to be an out and so when you see this high pop fly you know out there in no man's land between the shortstop third baseman and and left fielder that all three of them probably could catch but it doesn't get caught because two of them crash into each other it's pretty heartbreaking and i think it's you know obviously it's very you know heartbreaking for those two players because they don't want to screw up they you know they don't want to mess up to avoid it, we have to keep working on it. We have to work on it a lot. And I think it's one of those things we have to, you know, to follow Stan's guideline from a couple of weeks ago, just because it's not happening or not, if we're not messing it up, doesn't mean we can practice it less. We need to practice it more. We probably yep. need to practice it more and keep, you know, keep it at the forefront of everybody's mind. So here's always been my general rule of thumb. The infielders always chase the ball. The outfielders call the ball. And I've never been one for more than one person, you know, making a call because I think it gets a little bit too confusing. And so could the shortstop have been screaming ball, 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 and the left fielder screaming ball, 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 and neither one of them could figure out which one that meant really was going to catch the ball, ball, ball? I don't know. I wasn't there. But to my way of thinking, I've always taught and always thought that our infielders should chase the ball. And they're only calling it if they're calling off another infielder. So the shortstop's only calling it on a ball where she's coming in or, or circling behind the third baseman, pitcher, second baseman, that type of thing. So the, for me, the infielders only call the ball if it's over another infielder. 
if they're going back, as soon as they start to chase away from home plate, I've always said you chase the ball down and keep your ears open while you're chasing. You know, you expect you're going to go out there and catch the ball, but let you know, keep your ears open and your mouth shut so that you can hear the outfielder call you off. And so that's how I've always taught it. That's how we've always done it. And it's always worked well. Now, I know that there's some teams that will have the outfielder says ball comp- repeatedly and the infielder only calls it once. There's other people that have, you know, one thing that the infielder says and another thing that the outfielder says. That could work too. But whatever your version of it is, we need to work on it enough that when there's a couple thousand people in the stands all screaming because your team can be going to the College World Series if you catch this pop-up, that we still can execute it then. And I think that's the hard part to practice, Tori. Just what you said right there is all the, the environment is different than when you're at practice. Everything's quiet. Right. There's nothing going on around you. There's not a lot of people hollering or, or anybody trying to make you make a mistake because the opposing team's you know fans are right there at the fence, and they're also calling ball, ball, ball. Right. And Unfortunately, we can't cut Virginia Tech any slack today because they were at their home field. So right. I don't think anybody was trying to mess them up. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, in general, for for preparing to go into right. a, a hostile, hostile environment. environment. Yeah. yeah, but again, that's one of those things that uh, you know, when we have those oopses, it's just unfortunate when it when it costs us games or or momentum right. in big games. Yeah. yeah. To kind of get us back to the message today is number one: we have to have a system in place. We have to make sure that we all know what the system is. And so if you're going to be you know, the Tory system where the infielders chase, the outfielders call, if you're going to be in somebody else's system where the infielder says one thing and the outfielder says something else, but the outfielder has priority, that's okay. Whatever the communication pattern is, whatever the system is, is fine. We have to make sure that we're working on it enough and that we're practicing it enough and we're keeping it at the uh, top of the list of things to keep working on enough that it still feels so that a game like today when there are a couple thousand people in the stands cheering it doesn't feel that much different than right. it does every other day you know i'm not at their practices i don't know how much time they spend working on any of the specific different situations that they do um, but i would also not be that surprised if that was number six on the list or number eight on the list or number 15 on the list of things that had to get done that week in practice, preparation practice priorities right yeah. We know that the risk is so high, but it's easy to think that it can't happen because it doesn't happen very often. You know, did we take a few extra ground balls to make sure we were ready for the, you know, for the pressure of fielding a ground ball? Probably. Did we do a little bit extra with our slap defense because we knew for sure we were playing a team that had three or four slappers? Did we spend some extra time on, you know, steel coverages and, and specialty defenses because we are playing a team that has a lot of team speed? All those kinds of things always end up being high-priority things that we know for sure we need to work on. And unfortunately, I could picture something like hitting an extra 25 or 30 pop-ups out between the shortstop and the left fielder and the right fielder and the second baseman might have fallen down to number 15 on the list. Is that why it happens? I don't think that's why it happens, but I think it increases the likelihood you know, that something could go wrong. The other, the other piece too, Tori, as I'm thinking about this, sometimes players will wait to make that call. And, and I would urge everybody to insist on calling it as soon as you know. Right. If you're an outfielder and you know that you've got plenty of time to get there, it's easier for you coming in to make that play. Call it really early so that there's no, or there's less likeliness of that contact right. or, or to be bumping into one another. They can go to the backup role or whatever, but call it as early as you know, as early as you have a, a, a sense that it's your ball, call it really early. Comes back to the 
Everybody has to know the philosophy, and everybody has to have yep. practiced it enough that we know yep. for sure what it is that we're trying to do. So, yep. and again, it's just disappointing or heartbreaking to me to see, you know, in such a crucial situation, such a highly important situation, to have it happen. It could still work out that some of the players involved did exactly what they were supposed to. The left fielder might have called it, and the shortstop just didn't hear. Her. You know, the shortstop might have been so intent on, you know, and so locked in on making sure that she caught the ball. That she, you know, froze up for a split second and, and continued to go for it, even though the outfielder was calling it. Did the outfielder call it, as you said, down a little bit too late? And so the shortstop didn't have confidence that she could catch it, so she thought she had to. I mean, all those things are all part of it, yeah. but it still comes back to if we look back at last week's practices, you know, in preparation of the, you know, the biggest games of the year to, to continue the season and to advance. Did we work on them, or did we think, yeah, but our pitchers get a lot of strikeouts. It's not going to happen. Don't assume that we can all catch a fly ball. Right. Yeah. How many of those, if we went back and we had like a spray chart of all their games this year, how many of those balls got hit? And, you know, so let's say they played 60 games. If there were 50 of those hit in all 60 games total, I'd be amazed. I mean, yeah, I'd, be, I'd, be, be I'd be dumbfounded yeah. if they had 50 of them. You know they had, let's say, 30% of their outs are strikeouts, You know, 40% of their outs are ground balls, and then 30% of their outs are fly balls. And you start thinking, well, 30%, and all those 30%, only a few of them are going to be those really hard ones in those groups, you know, yeah. in, those, in those holes. And the other thing, too, and this is, you know, again, you know, just you know, my personal experience, sometimes for you as a coach, Hitting that ball in practice and making it feel more realistic is a lot harder than you think. Because let's say we tell our team, okay, so today we're going to work on these tweeners. Well, guess what happens? If you're working on tweeners, you know, balls in between the outfielders, they already know when you get ready to hit it, you're either hitting it in the left center gap or the right center gap. And guess who's cheating like crazy? Well, right. And, yeah. and, and also, too, you're kind of fearful of injury during practice right. too. So we're yeah. a little hesitant to do a lot of it. Yeah. Or if you say, okay, today we're going to work on these Bermuda triangle balls. where I'm going to hit a whole lot of pop-ups between the shortstop and, and left fielder and the, you know, out behind second base between the center fielder and the middles and out behind first base for the second baseman, right fielder and first baseman. Well, as soon as they know that's what we're working on, you might be a whole lot better fungo hitter than I am. But if I'm trying to hit that ball out behind third base, everybody in the park can see where I'm hitting it before I hit it. Right. Yeah. So, you know, so it has none of the surprise that you have in a game situation where you have, you know, a hitter who's, you know, just trying to hit the ball and ends up hitting that crazy pop up. You know, to me, it's, you know, there's lots of reasons why it's hard to practice it well. But I think the most important thing is that we need to keep practicing it enough to do all that we can. So if, if I'm the coach looking back, I can't believe we lost that game today because. I'm not kicking myself for weeks or months or the whole offseason going, man, we didn't work on that for the last and whatever, you know, fill in the blank. If you can't remember. Right. We haven't worked on that since. And then, you know, to me, that's, you know, just one of those crazy things that's always unfortunate. And and Stan raises a really good point, too. If you've got those dominating pitchers, guess what we're going to get a lot more of? Really weird kinds of little pop-ups and bloopers and, you know, crazy spin on the ball when it does get hit totally off topic, but there was one in one of the college games the other day that it was a ground ball, right-handed hitter, hit a ground ball that was going to the first baseman that had such cue ball English on it that when it hit the ground, it took like a hard turn. It was beyond first base, so it was a fair ball, but it like hit the ground first bounce and it went like 90 degrees. Fun dock in the yeah, field. Yeah, it went yeah. like 90 degrees and turned right and went to the foul territory. I mean, so the first baseman's right behind it, ready for it to come to her, and it's got such crazy spin on it. And again, dominant pitcher, tons of spin. 
So uh, obviously it all adds up to being a lot of different things. And obviously you can't practice everything, but we need to practice a lot of this stuff enough to make sure that uh, we're, we're doing everything that we can. So coaches, that's our coach prep for the week. Make sure your outfielders and infielders are working like crazy to try to uh, improve the communication so that we have less train wrecks, less injuries, less bad situations happening, and certainly less things that cost us games. So that's going to wrap up episode number 142. Make sure you check out our sponsors, the Anderson Bad Company, and patreon.com slash everythingfastpitch. Go to the fastpitchprep.com website, order your Square Cuts training discs. We also have the uh, blogs. There's over 700 of them, and you can also have access to the YouTube channel, which has got about a couple hundred videos. So uh, for Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Torrey saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.